You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. It's hour one on this Thursday. Dan and the Dan, that's Dan Patrick Show. Saw an interview with Drew Brees yesterday that was floating around, and I didn't know it was from yesterday because the comments had to do with kneeling, had to do with the flag, had to do with Colin Kaepernick directly, indirectly. And I thought maybe this was from a few years back, and I wasn't sure why it was trending. And then I realized this was Drew Brees from an interview yesterday on Yahoo. Uh, Yahoo Finance interviewed him, and uh, Drew talked about patriotism, standing uh, for the flag. And I'll play the full context of the question and the answer there. And then, because I want to give both sides to this. He has since come out with an apology that I just got uh, about 10 minutes ago. I'll read that uh, for you. Uh, We'll talk to, uh, we'll hear from Malcolm Jenkins, uh, a teammate of Drew Brees' in what he had to say yesterday. The timing of this, the insensitivity of the timing of this with Drew Brees, because I can let Drew Brees have his opinion. I may not agree with his opinion, but it's his opinion. And that's the beauty of what we have here in the United States. You can have an opinion. He may not agree with Colin Kaepernick's opinion or Malcolm Jenkins' opinion or Michael Thomas's opinion. But you at least have to have an understanding of why they feel the way they do and I would say the same to Michael Thomas and Malcolm Jenkins. They have to understand why Drew feels the way he does. But this is a time of less talk and more listening. And I think Drew understands that now. You know, if this is three weeks ago and we're talking about this, maybe it's different. Maybe it's received differently. But this has been Drew Brees' stance on the anthem. And he's said this down through the years in previous interviews that we've had. I may not agree, and I've said I didn't think what uh, Colin Kaepernick was doing was uh, it was not the flag that he was disrespecting. And, and the reason why I say that is I go back to what a former Green Beret, Nate Boyer, played with the Seahawks. He said to Colin Kaepernick, remember when he sat? He was sitting, and no one noticed. There was a reporter who eventually saw that Colin Kaepernick was sitting during the anthem. And Nate Boyer, Green, Green Beret, says to Colin Kaepernick, it would be more respectful to the nation's military if he would kneel. This is a Green Beret saying this. I never thought it was about the flag as much as it was. At this moment, I can have eyes on me, and I want to let people know about social injustice. And he went about it quietly. He didn't even tell his teammates he was going to do it. I thought we had moved on from it. We can agree to disagree about Colin Kaepernick. Look, we all wrap ourselves, you know, in the cloak of patriotism. We want to respect the flag. But there are, you have to understand there are segments, there are people, there are groups, there are races that look at it differently than we do. I have a military background with my father in the Marines and my uncles, one in the Army and one in the Navy. We all have that. But when people, when these, when the the military came home, not everybody was treated the same. Let's put it that way. You know, the GI Bill didn't apply to everybody. African Americans didn't get those same benefits, the GI Bill. They fought for their country. They didn't get the same benefits. And I understand that. And as much as I understand the military 
and the sacrifices. I didn't know that African-Americans were treated differently when they came back. And that's what we have to understand. All it is is, let me just listen to why you feel this way. Why it is so painful. Why somebody gave up their NFL career. Colin Kaepernick gave up his career. Was willing to give up his career. I have to be respectful to that opinion. I don't like that he did it. I understand that he did it. Because I knew once he did it, what it was going to mean. And maybe I was nervous about how uncomfortable it was going to make America. Not just football world. America. And we saw what happened. I think it was misinterpreted. Totally misread. People grabbed it and used it for their own social causes. Kaepernick, I do think with what he was saying or not saying and what he was doing was to open our eyes with what we just saw in Minneapolis. I truly believe that. Truly, in my heart, believe that. We all want to respect the flag. We all want to respect the anthem. But we're not all treated the same under that flag, under that anthem. And that's why we are where we are right now. And Drew Brees, who has been a pillar of integrity for the city of New Orleans, for the state of Louisiana, sportsman of the year back in 2010. What he was saying is, is the same answer that he had given to me a couple of years prior and a couple of years prior to that. But I think understanding your teammates when you are a leader is listening to them. You may not agree, but you listen. And it felt like Drew Brees was not listening to his teammates and understanding why they're so hurt, why they were so angry at him. Michael Thomas, his star wide receiver, angry at Drew Brees. Malcolm Jenkins, angry at him. And Drew Brees now, I think, understands which, why did it take this long to understand why your teammates would be hurt? But I want to play this in context. This is the question that's asked and the full answer with Drew Brees. And then I will read you his apology. This is from Yahoo Finance yesterday. Everyone is looking back now at Kaepernick's protests from a few years ago. And obviously they were always about police brutality. And now it's coming back to the fore. And a lot of people expect that we will see players kneeling again even when the NFL season starts. I'm curious how you think the NFL will and should respond to that. And, of course, you're such a leader in the league. Uh, what is your responsibility as a leader uh, in times like this for the rest of your teammates and, and players in the league? Well, I, I, will, I will never agree with anybody um, disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. Um, let me let me just tell you what I see or what I feel when the national anthem is played and when I look at the, the flag of the United States. I envision my two grandfathers who fought for this country during World War II, one in the Army and one in the Marine Corps, both risking their lives to protect our country and to try to make our country and this world a better place. So every time I stand with my hand over my heart, looking at that flag and singing the national anthem, 
That's what I think about. And in many cases, it brings me to tears, thinking about all that has been sacrificed, not just those in the military, but for that matter, those throughout the civil rights movements of the 60s and everyone and all that has been endured by so many people up until this point. And is everything right with our country right now? No, it's not. We still have a long way to go. But I think what you do by standing there and showing respect to the flag with your hand over your heart is it shows unity. It shows that we are all in this together. We can all do better and that we are all part of the solution. Okay, I understand all of those things he's saying. And I can understand where he's coming from. But in today's world, as volatile as it is, you have to understand what is going on and what is being said and what is being demonstrated and protested. And that's where Drew is tone deaf. You know, if you frame it in a way and say, what happened in Minneapolis can't happen again, and I understand the pain and the anger, or at least I'm trying to understand the pain and the anger, you have to at least put it in perspective of today. Yes, your great-grandfather, mine fought too. I want to respect the flag. I want to respect those who respect the flag. But I'll go to my grave in saying Colin Kaepernick was just trying to get eyes on this issue. Systemic racism. That's what he wanted. He wanted dialogue. He did it peacefully. And it wasn't good enough. He was shunned. And now we have the hypocrisy to say as a former you know, employee of the NFL, hey, why don't we give him a job with the Vikings? It's just hypocritical. He just asked to have you listen. Let's make change. He sacrificed his career. And remember at the time, all those reasons why nobody wanted to sign Colin Kaepernick. Remember? People came up with all these excuses, and none of those were true. They actually, they actually had somebody say his diet. Oh, he's you know he's on a new diet. Uh, can he withstand uh, you know the rigors of playing the NFL? And I'm going his diet. Oh, his mechanics are. Wait, this is the same guy that torched the Packers, and you're going to tell me this? But we kept making excuses, and that's the problem. We've continued to make excuses, and that's why this is where we are right now. We make excuses. We look the other way. Here's Malcolm Jenkins, Saints defensive back, talking about Drew Brees. Our communities are under siege, and we need help. And what you're telling us is don't ask for help that way. Ask for a different way. I can't listen to it when you ask that way. We're done asking, Drew. And people who, who share your sentiments, who express those and push them throughout the world, the airways, are the problem. And it's unfortunate because I considered you a friend. I looked up to you. You're somebody who I had a great deal of respect for. But sometimes you should shut the f*** up. That's Malcolm Jenkins. Drew Brees was on the show May of 2018. 
and he talked about his stance on the national anthem. You know, I've, I've, I think I've made myself very clear um, in, in, in where I stand in all of this. I think that the national anthem is a way to unify everyone. I think by some people kneeling and some people standing and all that, I think that that's very divisive um, for our country. And I think that the flag and the national anthem uh, deserves our respect for all those who have come before us, who have fought so hard, who have died and sacrificed in order for us to have the freedoms that we have in this country. So I believe that no matter what you're protesting, um, because there's plenty of things about this country um, that I think we would all like to see improvements. Um, I just don't think that the national, during the national anthem is a time to, to voice those opinions. I think that it deserves our full respect by standing at attention, um, looking at the flag, hand over your heart, singing the national anthem, and, and paying that respect. That's Drew Brees, May of 2018. That's his opinion. I respect your opinion. I may differ from it, and in this case, I do. I don't agree with that. But you can have your opinion. It doesn't mean I hate Drew Brees, don't respect Drew Brees. I just see it differently than Drew Brees does. That's the luxuries that were afforded here in the United States. But you just have to listen to why other people would be so passionate about it. And that's what I didn't understand when Drew... If you understand what Kaepernick is risking, and you start with his life, because there were death threats with Colin Kaepernick, let alone he killed his career. I have to understand why that means so much to you. And it's easy to go, hey, he's anti-American, he's anti-flag. He's not. He wants to be pro-American. He wants to be pro-flag. He wants that flag to mean the same to him as it does to Drew Brees. Drew Brees issued an apology this morning. I got it uh, about 25 minutes ago. I would like to apologize to my friends, teammates, the city of New Orleans, the black community, NFL community, and anyone I hurt with my comments yesterday. In speaking with some of you, it breaks my heart to know the pain I have caused. In an attempt to talk about respect, unity, and solidarity centered around the American flag and the national anthem, I made comments that were insensitive and completely missed the mark on the issues we are facing right now as a country. They lacked awareness and any type of compassion or empathy. Instead, those words have become divisive and hurtful and have misled people into believing that somehow I am an enemy. This could not be further from the truth. It is uh, not an accurate reflection of my heart or my character. This is where I stand. Drew Brees goes on to say, I stand with the black community in the fight against systemic racial injustice and police brutality and support the creation of real policy change that will make a difference. I condemn the years of oppression that have taken place throughout our black communities and still exist today. I acknowledge that we as Americans, including myself, have not done enough to fight for that equality or to truly understand the struggles and plight of the black community. I recognize that I am part of the solution and can be a leader for the black community in this movement. 
I will never know what it's like to be a black man or raise black children in America, but I will work every day to put myself in those shoes and fight for what is right. I have always, in capital letters, been an ally, never an enemy. I am sick about the way my comments were perceived yesterday, but I take full responsibility and accountability. I recognize that I should do less talking and more listening. And when the black community is talking about their pain, we all need to listen. For that, I am very sorry. And I ask your forgiveness. So that's Drew Brees and his apology. The question and his full answer yesterday that led to this. We'll have a little bit more on this, but I wanted to give you both sides of this. My opinion has always been out there. My opinion hasn't changed. I probably have a deeper understanding as we move along away from Colin Kaepernick, but it's there. Colin Kaepernick is, he's back in mainstream America. And I hope it's a good thing because I hope it brings change. We don't like to be uncomfortable, but we're uncomfortable now. And I think that's a good thing. Take a break. Back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Make sure you join the Traeger hood. Traeger Grills. We talk about a five-tool player. Traeger, six-in-one versatility. The ability to smoke, grill, roast, bake, braise, and barbecue. You can cook just about anything you want. You can do cocktails, veggies, desserts, and of course, you can uh, throw some meat on there as well, as we always do on Friday. Traeger You cook delicious food, and it's really simple. You control the temperature. It's like using an oven. Pick the temperature. You have a Traeger app. They have Wi-Fi technology. You can control your grill from your Traeger app. That means you monitor the internal food temperature, change grill settings, and you can be doing other things like lounging by the pool. Blow the neighborhood competition away. This year, contact your local dealer. Visit TraegerGrills.com slash DP show today. We cover everything here certainly sports-wise, and one of the most popular sports names, one of the most popular athletes in our country in the crosshairs, and that's why we covered Drew Brees. His comments, uh, the question, his answer, his apology, his teammates have responded, and we'll continue to follow that if there is something to move this forward. I've given you my opinion on it. Uh, Phone calls are welcome, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle with dpshow. There are other topics to bring uh, to your attention. We'll talk to uh, Tim Legler from uh, ESPN. He'll join us coming up here. I want to talk to him about bringing the NBA back and uh, why it's going to take two months to do so. Todd in Wisconsin joins us. Hi, Todd. What do you have for me today? Uh, 61-220. Yes, uh, I just basically, I think Breeze, you know, he was, he was baited with the question. I understand his point, but really what needs to happen, you know, really the last four years, where has the NFL and their, its players been unified in this, um, where someone's either locking arms, kneeling? So my, my thing that they maybe should do is not on the national anthem, but, like, on the sideline, raise your hand. All the players on the sideline that wants to do it, raise their hand for the whole game. 
And that's going to be more dramatic than one little anthem, and then you move on to the game. When you're seeing players demonstrating the whole game and doing it a year after year after year, that will, will bring the point across. I know, Todd. I don't want to make light of this, but holding my hands in the air for an entire game on the sidelines does not make this more dramatic. Seems unreasonable. Physically, seems problematic there. It, it accomplished what I think Colin Kaepernick wanted it to accomplish, and that was there was discussion. There were eyes on this. Then there was the question of will other teams do this? Do you lock arms? Do you take a knee? But the fact that a former Green Beret is the one who said to Colin Kaepernick, don't sit on the bench, then you'll show disrespect to the flag. If you kneel, you will not. That's from a Green Beret. Now, everybody has their opinion on it. Nobody's going to change their opinion. You can hate Colin Kaepernick. You can think he's un-American. That is your opinion. We will agree to disagree. And I think that's where we are. Colin Kaepernick, to me, what he said is now playing out right in front of us. And you see the outrage and the anger. That's what he was asking you. Let's try to avoid this. Because this is the reason why he came forward is there was a a 26-year-old African-American who was shot over 20 times by police. And he decided that he wanted, he had to do something about this. And he came forward. He sat, nobody noticed, except for one reporter. And then he decided that he was going to take a knee. And he lost his job. And you can't bring him back now. Although somebody suggested that, hey, bring him back to Minnesota. That'll fix everything. It won't. I remember Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf did not stand for the anthem. And the fallout, uh, I, think he, I think he was told to go back into the locker room. I think somebody, there was arson. I think somebody burnt down his home in Colorado. He paid a price for that. He just didn't believe in the anthem and what it stood for. Let's bring in Tim Legler, who covers the NBA for... Uh, the mothership. Not an easy segue here, Legs, but uh, I do appreciate you. Were you in the NBA when Mahmoud was uh, uh, doing his silent protest? When he was uh, actually still Chris Jackson um, in Denver, yeah. when he was a rookie. And then I remember that playing out. I believe I still was in the league. And I think some of the context around that was like the Gulf War and it took on a different meaning in a context. That was Americans at war with a foreign country. And I think that's why what he did, I think, you know, got even more severe backlash at that time. But it's no doubt that it, it definitely cost him. But when you take a stance like that, that, that meaningful to you, when it involves anything to do with the country and a national viewpoint, you run the risk of, you know, how are people going to interpret this? And I think that's what this you know, Colin Kaepernick's situation has been from the beginning. It's different people's interpretation of what that means. What was your reaction to uh, Drew Brees and then the fallout? Yeah, well, I think as far as Drew Brees is concerned, I think he was expressing his own point of view. But I think what we have learned over time, all of us have learned, is the way that you may interpret a, a particular act might not be what the original intent was. And there are times you have to listen 
to the other side on what the intent of that action is and really take that to heart and make that meaningful. Now, you might still disagree with it, but when you come out and make a public statement um, in any way that's a negative reflection of it, and, and basically in doing so, you are saying, I really don't understand the interpretation that you've given me on what that means. You're going to get a significant reaction. And that's exactly what happened in the case of Drew Brees. Do I think he needs to be taken to the point where you now call Drew Brees a racist or things like that? I think that just takes it too far when you look at the way he's lived his life and the what, you know, all, all by all accounts, the things he's done in that community and just the kind of person that he generally is regarded as. I don't know that we need to make that leap. But I do think you need to understand there are going to be repercussions if you are going to voice an opinion that differs from what the intent of a, per- a particular action is. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, we, it's either black and white from the standpoint of your answers. I either agree with you or I don't. I'm either uh, happy yes. for what you said or I'm angry at what you said. I think Drew Brees is a wonderful person. By all accounts, what he's done after Katrina, the money that he donates, the importance of, you know, his presence in that city. I just don't agree with his stance on the anthem. That's it. If he was on the show, I'd still embrace him for who he is and what he is, but we would disagree, agree to disagree. And I, I mean, that's the beauty. We have that luxury here, agreeing to disagree. I just don't believe that somebody is the best person in the world or the worst person in the world by what they say, what their opinion is. You know, this is a complex issue there. And it certainly is with Drew Brees. I did want to talk some basketball with you. And uh, the reason why we were going to have you on is we thought this was just going to be a normal Thursday where we're talking about 22 teams coming back into Orlando here. I'm confused about the format here, Legs. Why does it have to be so complicated? Well, I think when you first get it and you start to read it, even for, for a guy like myself, and I'm waiting to see what the format's going to be, they seem to finally come to a consensus. And when you first look at it, I agree. I had to read it several times to make sure I understood what was happening. But I think it's less complicated than maybe um, most people think it is. But what it comes down to is this. They made a determination. First of all, they didn't want all 30 teams down there. I think it's a great decision. I didn't want to see teams down there playing meaningful, you know, five to eight games, whatever the number was going to be, and then shutting it down again for several months. I didn't think that made any sense whatsoever. Um, I personally preferred just the 16 teams that were already in. There was enough of a gap between eight and nine in my mind that there was separation there. Let's just go and get this thing started and try to get it ended in a timely manner. What they came up with, I think, is a pretty good compromise. You keep more teams interested. There are six additional teams now that have an opportunity to close the gap on the eight seed. And if you can get it within four games and you're in that position to be nine, you now have an opportunity to determine your own fate and play the eight seed. Uh, and they have an advantage. And that the eight only has to beat you once, you've got to beat them twice. And But at least you can control your own destiny. So I think it keeps more teams interested, more players involved, and more fans are going to be interested at a time when we desperately need interest in live sports. We're talking to Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst. By the way, Legs played his first NBA season 1989-90. You played in 310 career NBA games, making just four starts. Is that right? Probably, yeah. I mean, that's that's you know, you you get into that mode where you're you find a particular role. So there were times when clearly there were times I was playing on teams I was even playing maybe more significant minutes or more important minutes. Then the starter was, and then he would get hurt. But 
coaches would come to me and say, listen, we, we love what you're bringing off the bench in your particular role. We don't want to mess with that. So they would maybe even bring a guy that wasn't even playing in the rotation and then make him the start. I ran to that a couple of times. So it was the only time in my life I wasn't able to start, but I was perfectly comfortable with it. I don't know if you saw CBS Sports came out with their top 15 shooters of all time. I did. Did you see it? Okay. Now, I thought there was a recency bias there, but I'm okay with it. Like, I'm not going to have my head explode like I did when ESPN said Michael Jordan's the greatest college player of all time. Right, right. Okay. Okay. Now, when it comes to shooting, Kyle Korver's in there. Steve Kerr are in there. This was my philosophy. I just thought... To be a great shooter, you have to be able to create your shot to shoot. Because if you can't get your shot off, I don't care how good a shooter you are. Am I incorrect in my approach to the greatest shooters of all time? Um, No, I think that that's a component in it. But I don't think you can just discount the guys that primarily were spot-up three-point shooters. Because to do that at at the level that the guys on that list do and the percentages they shoot, how good you have to be at that, how difficult it is to get to that level. And I think those guys have to be included as well. I mean, for me, when I think they tell me a great shooter, I don't just necessarily think about the guys that can go get their own offense. I think about those guys that when it comes off their fingertip and they've got any sort of space, you've got a really high percentage of likelihood that that ball is going to end up in the bottom of the net. And I, I have a lot of regard for those guys. I was one of those guys. So I don't think you could just discount them. I agree with you, though, in terms of the list. I was scratching my head at how low they had Chris Mullen. That didn't make a lot of sense to me. You got Mullen in there at 14th. I played with that guy in Golden State. Um, I know firsthand he's, he's certainly better than the 14th best shooter that's ever lived. And he was a guy that could get his own shot as well, by the way. Well, who would you put there? Who's your top five? Well, I think you'd, go, you'd probably go Steph Clay right there at the top. I think Larry Bird's got to be in the top five, which he was. I don't remember where exactly they had him in the list, but I think he was in the top five. I think that's absolutely justified. I think Kevin Durant is a guy that you probably would have to consider because, again, it's the catch and shoot, but it's also his ability to shoot those kind of percentages from all over the floor and his ability to get to any area of the floor with a perfect shooting stroke. I don't have a problem with including Kevin Durant. And then I would look at a guy like Steve Nash. Yep. I think Steve Nash has to be up there because you're talking again about a guy that shoots every year practically 50 from the field, 40 to 50 from the three, 90 plus from the line, and his finishing ability. Like that's one thing that gets discounted sometimes, and that's why Curry for me, no question number one, because in addition to his long-range stuff, his ability to finish with floaters and runners and an array of shots with either hand, that's got to also add heavily into this. And Steve Nash was also in that category. Yeah, I, I put him in there, I think, in my top three because of what you just said. I can shoot deep. I can have a mid-range jumper. I'm great from the line, and I can finish at the hoop. And there are very few guys in NBA history who can do all of those and shoot at a high percentage. I did want to ask you about the Zion factor with the playoffs. If you had cut and dried eight and eight, if let's say New Orleans was the eighth seed in the West, Legs, would we be having 22 teams in Orlando? <laughs> That's a great question. I know there's a lot of speculation, so I'll just give my opinion. I'll say probably not. <laughs> I think that plays heavily into it. And look, if you're the lead, you can't blame them. I mean, this has been this has been devastating financially for the league, um, what they've gone through. So certainly when you have a guy like that, that was that entertaining. And I think 
at the time this thing shut down, he was as close to must-see TV as anybody in the league. So to include him for a minimum of eight games and potentially more than that, I think that's smart a business decision for the league. And fortunately for them, the Pelicans were within striking distance that you make a really solid argument that they should be included in this. And also when you look at strength of schedule the rest of the year with Memphis and New Orleans, I think Memphis was going to have a really difficult time with their schedule to hold these teams off and hold on to that last spot. By the way, Legs once challenged me to a three-point shooting contest, and he was going to shoot left-handed. <laughs> do you remember when you... Uh... I absolutely do, yeah. yeah. And that offer still stands. Man, I was so mad at you. I was like, I, I, there's no way you're going to beat me left-handed from three-point range. But Well, listen, Dan, I'll tell you, on my 50th birthday, which was three years ago, all I wanted to do that day, I told my wife and my kids, and both of whom play, we're going to go to the local rec center, and I'm going to make 53s on my 50th birthday. Let's see how long it takes me. And what do you think I shot that day? To make 50, what do you think I shot overall? I'm going to say less than 60. I was 50 for 56. Now, I, I, did, I did warm up. Here's what's funny about that story. I warmed up a little bit. I did it once. I actually shot better than that, forgot to record it. So now here I am pretty winded at that point, and I'm saying, oh, my God, we got to do it again. And I really didn't think I would shoot that well. So I was, I was pretty proud of myself. Now, they were college threes. I will say that. They weren't NBA threes. I don't shoot that deep anymore that often, but they were college <laughs> threes. Um, but I was still pretty proud of the accomplishment. Do you think you could actually beat me shooting left-handed? Pretty certain of it. Wow. I get a nasty left. Like when I'm, when I'm uh, just, you know, we're, we're talking here just shooting jumpers uncontested. Yeah. Pretty good left, man. I got a pretty nasty left. All right. I'll invite you to my dojo here in the man cave. I'll, I'll just shoot right-handed. <laughs> you shoot left-handed. Get me in there. Get me in there. I'll be, I can't wait. Doug Looking Got forward to the challenge. Doug Gottlieb never recovered from me roasting him shooting threes. The best chance you would have, I would say to get me somewhere like, like outdoors where there is our conditions that factor in. But if you got me in a climate controlled environment, Dan, it's a problem. <laughs> we also remember Greg Anthony tried to get involved in the conversation. And I yes. basically I said, Anthony, get out of here, man. You can't yes, shoot like I, I can shoot. And you even said, yeah, Greg, get out of here. We basically yeah, you shut that down. pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. You can shoot 15 footers there, Greg, but that's it. These are big boy yeah, shots. Like, yeah, the, yeah. Greg's conversation is more like, listen, if we're going to do the competition, we're picking people up 94 feet and turn them eight <laughs> times before half court. You got it, man. If it comes down to just shooting jumpers, let, let, let's, you know, that's not, that's not necessarily your wheelhouse. Oh, that was great. Hey, Legs, thanks for joining us. Hope you're well, and uh, we appreciate you joining us. Great talking to you, Dan. Take care. That's Tim Legler. Legs, uh, one of the great shooters in NBA history. Yeah, Paul. I, I, I'm going to remember that line for a while. If you get me in a climate-controlled <laughs> environment, I'm a problem. <laughs> oh, I was so mad at him when he said that to me. We were covering the NBA Finals, and all of a sudden, Legs, like, I said, you want to shoot? And he goes, I'd beat you left-handed. I was like, you got and I was, and then Greg Anthony tries to get involved in the conversation. I said, get out of here, Greg. You can't shoot with us. Yeah, Paul. I, I know you pretty well, and I know your confidence is that you could beat him with your right hand versus his left hand. But I also think you wouldn't want to lose that matchup because then, no. could, then he would never let you forget. Yeah. That would be a bet I wouldn't take because then it would be on record as he beat me left-handed. 
I'd never recover. You know, that that would be tough to recover. All right, we'll take a break. Phone calls. Uh, we got a, a lot on the uh, a menu today. Adrian Wojnarowski from the Mothership on uh, what this grand plan. He was going to join us yesterday, and he was ready to call, and then he called Fritzy and said, I can't do it. I'm breaking a story. And he had the format for uh, – you know, the, the NBA coming back. Dana White, UFC president, will join us a little bit later on as well. Take a break. Play of the day. We'll come up with a poll question right after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. McLevin, do we have a poll question? We were debating um, which matchup do you want to see in the NBA Finals. Now that we actually have a field, is it clearly uh, the Lakers-Bucks or are there any other teams that you want to see sneak in here? Well, you have to factor in Lakers-Clippers. By the way, I'm sorry, are they going to cross conferences? What's the, the latest? Actually, they are crossing Yeah, conferences. it's just going to be 1 through 16, it feels like. And this will be the only time it's going to happen. But I... Unless they embrace this, but I, I think it's still going to be Eastern Conference, Western Conference because of travel. You got to have a balanced schedule, but this will be probably the only time we ever see this where you're just seated in accordance to uh, what your record is, is one through 16, not any designation because everybody is there in Orlando. If this was going to be Vegas and Orlando, then you probably would have kept the separation there. Yeah, Paul. Would you guys like to see Lakers Rockets, assuming there, it was possible? Sure. How saucy. At this stage, I would I would take Lakers Memphis right now, yeah. Paulie. All right. And by the way, I know that I'm kind of made fun of the NBA and their schedule, their format. It's a little confusing. I would rather have the NBA's confusing format than no format at all, Major League Baseball. It's not good when you have negotiations that go like this. Hey, here's our proposal. Um, it's not even worth a counter proposal. And that's where we are with Major League Baseball. Hey, would you rather have an average dinner or no dinner at all? I'll take the average dinner. That's all I'm asking for Major League Baseball. Just give me an average dinner here. Let's just get through this. Yeah, McLovin. Speaking as a Sixers fan, do you think there's any chance like the outcome of this sort of condensed season will be completely wild, like NCAA tournament wild, where the top seeds will go down? And you'll have a bunch of three, four, five seeds in the finals, which is kind of unusual. I don't know, you know, when you hit the ground running, how long does it take to get in shape? And then you have these eight games that you're going to play. And then who are you matched against? Like, are you going to go through a really difficult matchup before you get to another difficult matchup? Or you get tested. Are you going to be doing seven game series here? How often are you playing? Are you going to have play two games in two days, and then you're off? Because it used to be, hey, you play a game, another game, or a day off, two days off, three days off, or four days off. This is different now. And I think the conditioning of the players is going to be amplified. You're going to, it's a more condensed schedule. And there's no travel, but you're going to be playing more games. I think that that would be something that will be interesting to watch. Uh, Jeff in Milwaukee joins us this morning. Hi, Jeff. Hey, I'm uh, talking about Breeze, and I'm not going to criticize Breeze for his opinion. Um, there's time with uh, other areas when, when the anthem has been really powerful. 
so I'm, I'm there with him on that. But uh, when you compare it to Rodgers and what he posted yesterday, he posted a picture from a game a couple years ago. Yep. Uh, I think it was a Thursday night game. He's locked arms with his teammates. He heard the complaints from the other side about taking a knee and said, okay, we're not going to do that, but we're not going to be silent either. And I think that's what we're really missing right now is, uh, is just listening to the other side. He listened, and there's this picture of this guy in the stands, a Packer fan, just screaming his head off because he's mad at him for locking arms. Yep. Makes no sense. I know, and there have been powerful moments. I was there when Whitney Houston sang the anthem in Tampa, and that's one of the more remarkable performances I've ever seen. It was stirring, and I had to fly over. We're all proud. We all love our country. It's just we some love it in a different way or want to love it more but can't? Or does the country really love them? I saw where George Clooney had a tweet where he said, you know, African-Americans have been through a pandemic that's lasted 400 years. Drew Brees did issue an apology. We did reach out to Drew. We reached out to all the principals here. Not sure if we'll hear from him, but if we do, we'd love to have him on. We've always loved to have him on. One hour in the books, two more to go. Seton, Paulie, Fritzie, McLovin, yours truly here, Dan Patrick Show. 